Welcome, Investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. So what's it like to be part of the Ted Bundy investigation? Hello, everybody. This is Jared with All Things Crime. I am excited to introduce a new series to you. It's going to be a multi-part or a multi-episode uh, series with Detective Lindsey Wade, who was with the Tacoma Police Department for 21 years. And Detective Wade was part of a cold case unit in Tacoma. And she was able to investigate not only the some of the things with along with Ted Bundy, but also a number of other cases. And in, in these episodes that are going to be uh, come forthcoming, I'll tell you a fantastic discussion. And we get into everything uh, from what it's like to sit across from a victim's family to uh, the process that it takes, especially to investigate a cold case. So I hope you enjoy them. And here is episode number one. Hey, everybody, it's Jared. Welcome to another episode of All Things Crime. I'm super excited uh, this morning to welcome our guest, Lindsay Wade. She was a homicide and sexual assault detective for the Seattle P Police Department and lives in the Tacoma area. So she's uh, just an amazing person. I've heard lots about her and I'm excited to have her on. So, Lindsay, welcome. Thanks, Jared. I just I also want to point out real quick, I work for the Tacoma Police Department, not Seattle. Oh, so, all right. That's totally right. Different agency. <laughs> well, our connection is actually with uh, a, fr a good friend of the show and, and mine, Cloyd Steiger, and he worked for the AG's department and um, the AG's office up there. And I guess that's where you met. Yeah. Uh, he was my boss in the HITS unit uh, for a few years uh, after I retired from the Tacoma Police Department. So growing up in, uh, in Tacoma, what, what inspired you to become a cop? Well, a uh, couple things. So I um, was really fascinated with true crime from an early age. Um, actually, when I was in high school, I read a book about Ted Bundy. And um, I think it was the first true crime book that I had ever read. And I was really captivated by the story, captivated and terrified <laughs> at the same time. Um, and I think it really hit home for me, you know, especially given the fact that uh, there were so many commonalities and, you know, a lot of these horrendous crimes that he committed occurred in Washington. And, you know, he grew up in Tacoma. And, and um, so there were a lot of things that struck me about the book. And um, yeah, it was just, I think after reading that book, I just kind of decided I wanted to be a detective. Um, there was, you know, that, and then there were a couple of other things that sort of happened when I was a kid. Um, there was a, the two cases actually that occurred when I was a little girl in Tacoma that kind of stuck with me and um, two little girls that were abducted and murdered back in 1986. And uh, the cases just were kind of like urban legends in our area. 
Um, they had been pretty high profile cases, but were unsolved. And so it was kind of like the boogeyman effect. Um, you know, it was, they were cases that really scared the hell out of everybody, including little kids, um, like myself and, uh, you know, kind of made us think twice about riding our bikes and, you know, didn't want to play in the woods and, you know, just kind of changed the atmosphere and changed our outlook on, oh my gosh, there's actually bad people in the world. You know, it was sort of that first, um, experience realizing there are really bad people out there. So um, that kind of stuck with me throughout um, my life, really, and into my um, adulthood. And, you know, I never really dreamed that I would be involved in investigating either one of those cases um, as a police officer. But as it turned out, that's exactly what happened. And also got to um, be involved in uh, doing some work on Ted Bundy as well. So it all kind of came full circle for me uh, as a detective many years later. Wow. That is so cool. And we'll, we'll definitely get into uh, some of the details of that, but so growing up there, I mean, Tacoma's, that's a beautiful area. Uh, you wouldn't think that there'd be a ton of crime there. It is very beautiful. Uh, but yeah, there's a, a very high crime rate in Tacoma, um, violent crime in particular. And I've heard people ponder, you know, what, what is it about the Pacific Northwest and what is it about this area? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've They're heard just... all kinds of wild theories thrown out about, you know, why is there such a high rate of violent crime? And I, I don't know. Um, it just attracts the nutballs, huh? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's the weather. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. People go crazy because it's always cloudy up there. But from about June to September mm -hmm. is that is one of the most gorgeous areas to be in. Uh, oh my gosh, I, I've I've attended a number of conferences and things up there, and it is just absolutely you can't beat it. I mean, it, right. with all the pine trees and the mountains and oh, absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, yeah, you know I I envy you for at least uh, two or three months out of the year. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it is interesting, though, um, especially with like the Ted Bundy case, you know, it when, when you have uh, real psychotic type serial killings that, that are seem to, to garner the most attention um, that every I think everybody understands those are basically the uh, so rare that that but they, they gather the most attention. So I think mm -hmm. everybody thinks they're a lot more common than what they are. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of serial killers out there and that the common you know citizens never heard of. I mean, cause it, it sadly is not as uncommon as you might think, but most of them don't garner the attention that somebody like, you know, Bundy or Dahmer, or, you know, the, what we call the big five, right? Like the ones that everybody knows about that have, there's been a gazillion books and TV shows made about. Um, but there are a lot of others that have kind of flown under the radar and thankfully <laughs> haven't yeah. gotten as much attention. Right. Well, what's, so what is the police definition of a serial killer? Well, I think the FBI's uh, 
definition is like three or more um, murders with a cooling off period in between. I think that was the last definition I heard. So, um, so not necessarily just killing like uh, one family uh, that, that wouldn't necessarily qualify them as a serial killer. There has to be no. space in between the victims. Right. Yeah. If you slaughter a family or kill a bunch of people at one time, it's called a mass killing. Okay. Well, which, um, which one do you want to explore first? Ted Bundy or, the, or the, the little girls that went missing? Your choice. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's start with Ted Bundy then. I mean, it, obviously okay. he's the most famous. So, uh, first of all, how close were you growing up to what happened with Ted Bundy up there? Well, so I grew up in, um, in the city of Tacoma and then also in University Place, uh, which is a suburb of Tacoma. He, of course, was, you know, long gone. I mean, he was executed in what, 89? I mean, you know, so I, I mean, I was, gosh, I have to think about that. I think I was in junior high when he was executed. So obviously he was long gone from this area by that time. But um, some interesting parallels. So he, he grew up in the north end of Tacoma, not all that far from where I grew up. Uh, his mother worked at the University of Puget Sound, which is a private college in Tacoma. My mom actually attended that same college and actually knew his mom <laughs> from the office uh, at, at UPS. So Tacoma, even though it's, uh, I mean, I think the population is around 200,000 people, maybe a little more. It has a very small town feel like it's really hard to meet somebody and not figure out that you have some common acquaintances. It's that kind of place. So as far as um, his crimes that were known, most of those occurred in Seattle and King County, at least in, you know, for the Washington, Washington state crimes. So he doesn't have any known or confirmed victims in Tacoma, although the Anne Marie Burr case uh, from 1961 is you know, by, thought by many to be you know, possibly his first victim. And he would have been 14 at the time, was never a suspect in that case when the crime was originally investigated. But later, once he was identified as being this prolific cross-country serial killer, uh, he certainly was looked at as a potential suspect um, with relation to her case. Um, and so that's kind of how I got involved with, with the case um, around 2010, 2011. My partner and I were looking at Anne Marie Burr case, which is, it was the oldest cold case in our library of about a 250 cold cases that we had uh, in Tacoma at the time. And her case is a missing person case. And for those not familiar, um, August 31st, 1961, she was abducted right out of her house in the north end of Tacoma, a couple blocks from the University of Puget Sound. And um, she was eight. She lived with her parents and her siblings. And literally in the middle of the night, somebody came into the house and without anyone noticing or hearing anything, took her right out of the house. Um, early in the morning, her parents were alerted to the fact that she was gone and her mom got up and um, looked around the house, saw the front door standing open saw a window in the living room ajar and immediately recognized that 
uh, something was terribly wrong. So it was a huge investigation, probably one of the largest uh, manhunts in Tacoma Police Department history. They had the National Guard out searching, um, you know, detectives going door to door. Uh, they interviewed, I'm sure, hundreds of people. Um, it was actually a very, um, very good investigation that was conducted. However, there was never any sign of her found, uh, no trace of her found anywhere. And to this day, she's still a missing person. So, you know, Ted Bundy was never looked at or never investigated for that case. Of course, you know, he was a 14 year old boy at that time, and there would have been no reason for his name to come up. Uh, there are rumors, you know, that I've heard over the years that, oh, he was our paper boy and oh, they knew each other and none of that's true. Um, so he didn't live in her neighborhood. He lived across town. Um, so there was really no connection. I mean, he did live in Tacoma. That's the only connection, <laughs> really. So he, um, as I said, he wasn't looked at during the initial investigation, but years later, um, you know, there was some speculation that potentially he could be involved. He always denied any involvement. Um, Anne's mother even wrote him letters in prison asking him about it. And, you know, he steadfastly denied that he had any involvement in her disappearance. He actually wrote a letter back to Mrs. Burr um, from prison and, you know, just absolutely denied that he had anything to do with her murder uh, or her abduction. So there was really no evidence to link him to the case and there was no evidence to link anyone else to the case either. So fast forward to um, 2011, uh, Jean Miller, who was the cold case detective at the time and, and myself um, were looking at Anne Marie's case and we were talking about evidence that had been collected back in 1961 that had never been sent to the crime lab. And of course, you know, like, I mean, what they could have done with something in 1961 is quite different than what you could do with something today. So we, uh, you know, went out to the crime or actually to the, our property room and pulled all the original evidence that was collected, went through it and learned that there were a couple of things that were collected that seemed like they could have potential DNA uh, on them. And while we were working on that piece, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, we know that there are a couple named suspects in this case. If, you know, we luck out and we have some DNA on any of this evidence, are we going to have anyone to compare it to? And so that's when I first started asking this question. Uh, I wonder, you know, is Ted Bundy even in CODIS? I mean, he got executed in 1989, uh, well before CODIS, well before the DNA databases were created in the States, you know, is even in there. So that kind of set me off on this wild goose chase, going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole in Washington and then in Florida, trying to track down a sample of his DNA, which took a significant amount of time. And basically what I learned was no, the answer is no, this DNA is not in CODIS, it doesn't exist anywhere. Um, and I finally reached out to uh, an administrator, a CODIS administrator in Florida, because I knew he was executed in Florida and spoke with him about it. And he said, yeah, you know, I get a call, a couple calls a year from detectives 
around the country asking me the same question, you know, do you have Ted Bundy's DNA? And the answer is no, we don't. And so I said, okay, well, um, you know, we've got this case that we're working on. And aside from that, we're talking about Ted Bundy here. Like he is um, one of the most prolific serial killers in our country. He went from state to state. I'm sure he's committed all kinds of crimes we don't even know about. He's the poster child for CODIS. So he needs to be in there. <laughs> so we kind of put our heads together and, uh, you know, started brainstorming. How are we going to, we got to find this DNA somewhere. So then it became sort of like, you know, the Ted Bundy DNA scavenger hunt. And um, he came up with a couple ideas of what he was going to do and places he was going to check. And I decided, okay, I remember reading in Ann Rule's book that she got letters from Ted Bundy when he was in jail. And maybe she still has the letters and maybe his DNA is on those stamps that he sent. And of course, this is just a total long shot and kind of a wild goose chase. But I'm like, I mean, I really have nothing to lose by finding out. So meanwhile, while I'm looking into that piece, um, David Kaufman down in Florida started looking into samples that they had at the crime lab in Florida. And they ended up finding uh, some wax molds of his teeth that were taken um, for the Chi Omega case because there were bite marks on one of the victims. So they still had the wax molds. And so they attempted to get DNA from the wax molds from his teeth. Um, and there wasn't enough DNA there to generate a profile. So that kind of went nowhere. Um, I was able to get in touch with Ann Rule, who was still living up here in Washington state at the time. And she did still have letters from Ted and she agreed to provide those to me. Um, I did some research with the prison down in Florida to find out, hey, do inmates or like in, it, at that time, because I think these letters were mailed in 86, um, did inmates at that time have to, like, did they put their own stamps on their mail? Who did it? Was there a mail room? Um, you know, this is old school stamps. This is before they had the self-adhesive stamps. These were the, like the roll off and lick stamps. So um, they confirmed that, yeah, you know, inmates back at that time had to do, had to basically put their own stamps on their mail. And um, we, you know, nobody did it in the mail room or anything like that. So I was feeling pretty confident that, okay, if there is DNA on these stamps, it's going to be Bundy's DNA. Um, so I got a hold of our crime lab, um, talked to our DNA supervisor and asked about submitting these envelopes with the stamps in the hopes of getting at least a reference sample for Bundy. I knew that, you know, those wouldn't be eligible to go into CODIS, but I was thinking, well, at least it's a start <laughs> to go somewhere. Um, and then before we even had this, these envelopes tested, I get a call from David Kaufman, who's the CODIS administrator down in Florida, letting me know that he actually hit the mother load and tracked down an old crusty blood vial of Ted Bundy's blood that was collected in 1978. And it was in uh, like a safe in, um, the, I think it was the Columbia County Clerk's Office in Florida. And this blood had been collected in 1978 at the time of his arrest. And the blood was completely putrefied. It was uh, not usable. However, the 
lid of the vacutainer had some dried blood and they were able to flake off a few pieces of the dried blood and it was usable. And they generated a complete, in his words, beautiful profile um, from this crusty blood bile. And so they actually were able to enter that profile into the Florida DNA database, which was fantastic, but it was not gonna go into the national DNA database because of CODIS rules. So on one hand, I was super excited that, hey, you know, you found it, it's going in, but wait, stop. No, what do you mean it's not gonna go into national? (laughs) Again, he was committing crimes all over the country. It's great that it's in Florida, but we know he committed crimes in other states besides Florida. So because he he, um, was not a convicted offender at the time his, his DNA was collected, in Florida, he didn't qualify. And because he was no longer in custody in Florida, his DNA didn't qualify to go into the national database based on the CODIS rules. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> we've, we've, got to, we've got to talk to somebody, um, at, you know, and so he ended up meeting with, um, the CODIS administrators for ENDIS and uh, the FBI and getting an approval to get his, to get Ted Bundy's DNA put into the national DNA database under the legal index. So he actually is not in the offender index. He's in the legal, but that's just semantics. It doesn't really matter at this point because his DNA is still searching against crime scene evidence um, that comes up into the national database from from all the other states. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.